Welcome to the Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to market yourself online, find your tribe, and grow a business doing the work you love on your terms. As a blogger, presenter, and marketing mentor, I understand the ups and downs that come with putting ourselves out there and running our own show. This podcast is here to take you behind the scenes and share the strategies to help you succeed. So let's get into the show. If you're looking to either create an online program or you have an online program that you now want to grow, I have an upcoming live workshop that is perfect for you. You'll learn the exact process that I've used to first create, then get it out there and launch it, and now scale my online program. And it's become a multiple six-figure revenue stream in my business, which kind of is hard for me to believe. (laughs) I started out with a tiny email list and I haven't had to constantly launch to create this. If that sounds pretty appealing to you, go to emilyosman.com forward slash scale to choose a time and join me for the free online workshop where you'll learn my framework for creating and scaling your online program. That's emilyosman.com forward slash scale, S-C-A-L-E. Or just click the link under this episode. Today's guest is one of the OGs in her industry. And if like me until just recently, you don't know what that means, let me save you Googling, what does OG mean? It stands for original. And in this case, I'm talking about being the first on the market when it came to the exercise form of bar here in Australia. As founder of Bar Body and also Bend, Emma Seabold is something of a force of nature. With the first Bar Body studio opening in Melbourne in February 2012, the business has now grown to offer eight studios across Australia, as well as a very popular online studio, Bar Body Online. How exactly did Emma make this happen? Which marketing strategies paid off both in those early days and now? What was the combination of events that almost brought things crashing down? How has Emma dealt with more competitors coming onto the marketplace? What advice does she have for other studio owners and small businesses in general? And how has COVID-19 impacted her business? Well, we discuss all this and more in this jam-packed episode. So Emma, thank you so much, first of all, for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, I wanted to start off just by asking you, what is it that you might be watching or listening to or reading at the minute? Oh, I love that question. I am actually watching, listening and reading something at the moment. I am a voracious reader. I probably read two books a week. I'm really, really passionate. I just love it. And I also listen to audiobooks. So what I tend to do is alternate between a book that's sort of expansion, maybe professional, personal business development, and then my fun books, which is storybooks. And I'm also in a book club with some gorgeous girls up here in Byron. So at the moment, I'm reading my book club book, which is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Ooh, I'll have to add that to my list. (laughs) You must. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. I've read her previous book, Love Warrior, but this book is just so amazing. It's so rich and yeah, I'm really, really loving it. It's personal story, memoir style. Um, I am watching Normal People, which is on Stan and I'm equally loving that. It's the story of 
to they go to the same school and it's sort of how they weave in and out of each other's sexual awakening as they sort of grow and it's really really beautifully done it gets like 8.9 on imdb so um, i haven't watched that i've been looking for something so thank you for that recommendation so emma i was going to ask you i thought it might be a good idea for you just to clarify the pronunciation of your business seeing as it has been quite topical lately could you do that for us (laughs) that's a great question it's Bar body, not barre, as our esteemed PM said. It's, yeah, bar body. I'm glad we've cleared that up. So, Emma, I'd love to, um, for you to be able to share, what were you doing before your business? Have you always been in the health industry or what did that look like for you? Ah, that's a lovely question. I started my career, so I studied marketing at university and I studied in Melbourne and then I took a graduate job. So I'd actually done a, what was called an industry year at Ford and I absolutely loved that. And then I started a graduate job at Telstra and then that took me to Sydney and then I'd had sort of a varied career. I'd worked for Bonds and Oriton as well. And then the most recent job before starting Bar Body, I actually worked with a group of investors to bring a juice cleanse business to Sydney. And then I fell pregnant and my now hubby and I decided to move to Melbourne. And that's where we had the idea to start Bar Body. Wow. So, so much pretty awesome experience. It sounds like very, very cool projects to work on. What gave you the idea or what was it about creating Bar Body? Where did that come from? Or was it a need that you found yourself or was it something that you were seeing in the industry? Where did that kind of come from? Yeah, so Hubby and I, when we moved to Melbourne, he started a recruitment agency. He had a background in recruitment and we decided that I would, you know, while I was taking you know, a sabbatical or maternity leave, having a baby, um, that I would just sort of help him with the marketing side of his business. And so we used to do these, what we called strategy walks. And on one of these walks, I told him about bar, this style of exercise that I'd been seeing a lot of in the States and just thinking, I was saying to him, you know, I feel like there's a really good opportunity. Nobody's doing it here. And because I've got the background in marketing and also health and well-being, so I was also a health coach and a yoga teacher and I'd studied anatomy. So I was really passionate. That was sort of where my heart and soul was in that industry. And obviously having done the startup, the juice cleanse business, that was also, you know, I was very, very immersed in that space already. And so he said to me, I remember it so clearly, he said, you should just do it. You are so clever and you've got all the skills. And and I said to him, I looked at him and I said, honey, I can't, I've never done ballet. And he said, who cares? No one's going to know. And so we just decided then and there that we were going to go for it. And I think for me, it was partially sleep deprivation and this sense of, I don't know who I am now because I'm I've always worked really hard and been successful in my career. And so being a, a new mom, and I think Xavier was really young then, was sort of, you know, weeks old. Being a new mom, I was like, oh, I don't really know my place in the world at the moment. And so I, yeah, sleep deprivation. I said, okay, let's do it. And from woe to go, we decided to sign the lease on the first studio location we looked at. I just dived in, like I started designing a logo, coming up with a name. I registered a URL. I um, got the um, social media handle. So just doing all that stuff to make it really real for me. And then we opened the doors. Xavier was six months old to the day. And we opened the doors in February 2012. And we've never looked back. So what did it look like those first few weeks? I love the fact, by the way, that you were like, 
let's just try this. Let's just do this. Let's just run at it. It's so awesome. And I think um, a lot of people get held back by that fear that maybe it's not going to work. What did it look like for you those first few weeks and those first few months? Was it instantly you had people coming in or what was it like? It was pretty crazy because with a six month old baby, I was still breastfeeding and we had put all of our money. So we had, you know, an amount of savings. We put it all into this studio. So we really did it on a shoe string budget. And we were living with my mum, but we realised she she was in Ascot Vale in Melbourne and the studio was in the city. And we realised that for me to go and teach a class, I'd have to be away from the baby for, you know, like two and a half to three hours for each class. And doing that, you know, 10, 15 times a week wasn't going to work. So we decided to move into the city and rented an apartment that was a block and a half from the studio. So then I'd only be away for an hour oh, and 10 minutes. So good. And, but we had no idea how we were going to pay the rent, like zero idea. So it really was, we were doing it on a women of prayer. We had no money left. And <laughs> um, my husband was standing, you know, would stand on street corners and hand out flyers. And we really knew that we were onto something amazing when I think it was maybe a month in people who'd come to do our intro trial kept saying to me, this form of exercise is amazing. Like I've never really liked exercise before, but I love this so much. And nobody knew what bar was. Nobody had any idea what it was. So I was pioneering, you know, effectively pioneering a new style of fitness in Australia that people didn't, hadn't even heard of. So the jo- it's not like opening a Pilates studio or a yoga studio and saying, hey guys, come and do yoga. I was saying, hey, come and do this thing. It's with the ballet bar and da, da, da. But people loved it. And that's when we really knew that everything was going to be okay. And that's the thing, isn't it? When you've got something, a business that is new in the marketplace, it's kind of the double thing. You've got a first of all, like you said, if it, if you were opening a Pilates studio or a yoga studio, you're promoting your business, obviously. But when you're opening something that people don't really know about, you have to educate them about what it is and really promote that method as well as your actual business. So what were you doing? What marketing or how were you getting people in the door? I love that you said your partner was out in the street handing out flyers. Were you doing anything else just in those early days to attract attract people? We were doing Facebook advertising. So Instagram, I don't remember Instagram being a thing for us for at least the first year or two. Like it was, must've been in the very early days of adoption in Australia for Instagram. So it was all Facebook driven and we did really well with Facebook. So we did Facebook advertising and also, you know, obviously organic Facebook posting. The other big thing that I did really early and has served us well now, and that is we had an online studio pretty much from day one. So I bought myself a professional camera, lighting, microphone, taught myself how to use Premiere Pro so I could edit the videos. And I knew that a great way to get press, to get PR, back then you have to remember it was, you didn't have influencers, you didn't have a platform for brands to support each other the way that you do now. It was very, very different. And so for me, it was all about producing content in order to get on the websites of the traditional glossy mags. So Vogue, Harper's, and there were a few websites around then. So for me, I did a lot of filming of content and then pitching those to, you know, various online publications. And we got a lot of traction that way. Yeah. But aside from that, it was really just providing the most amazing client experience possible. We really, really grew in those early days by word of mouth. And you can't really beat that, but I love the fact that you so early on recognized how 
powerful content is and how it is such a good way as well to get into in front of other people's audiences as well when you can actually share content with them. So that's awesome. Was it pretty straight away that you started making a return in the business? Was it profitable from the early stages or did it take a while with the different investments, maybe with Facebook ads and that type of thing for you to start actually being able to pay your rent? What did that look like? So we couldn't pay the rent in the first month. We had to borrow $5,000 from my mum. But after that, we were fine. So my husband was also, so he was trying to grow his business and it was very brand, brand new. So he's a new recruiter in Melbourne, didn't have any contacts. So he was working really hard to build up his business. And we lived off the money that he was earning and Barbody was self-sustaining from month two onwards. So I didn't take a salary but I could pay its bills from month two onwards. And then it really just grew from there. We had such a fast and amazing trajectory. We opened the next studio, I think. We opened our Windsor studio in April, 2013. So 14 months later, and then we opened Fitzroy in August, 2013. So the same year, 16 months after the first studio. And then we opened Bondi in November of that same year, Surrey Hills early the following year. Sydney oh City. my God. It happened so <laughs> quickly. We opened, I think we had five studios within in under two years. It was a really, really exciting time. Oh, it must've been, you must've just been like hanging on by the tips of your fingers it sounds like yeah would have been such an exciting time at the very beginning we did but then my husband left his we gave up his business because we're like we want to both we really love what we're doing we both want to put our energies into bar body so he gave up his business about 18 months in and from you know then on the business growth was funded by the business as was our both of a salary for both of us. So we had lots of lots of success in those early days. It was, yeah, it was really wonderful. Was it part of your vision from day day one to open multiple studios? Or was that something that you kind of were like, oh, hang on a minute, this could go so well in all these different places too. Was it, I'm curious to know, what was that always part of the plan? I don't think it was the plan from day one, but It probably was written in the stars from day one because both my husband and I are super motivated and driven and and passionate and we're big thinkers and risk takers. And so, yeah, I think it was written in the stars, but I think it was maybe nine months in that we said, let's start looking for a second location. And then it just snowballed from there. I can definitely resonate with the way that you just said risk taker. And a question I wanted to ask was, I, I think there'd be a lot of people that maybe have felt too much fear about it failing or felt too much fear about perhaps if they have one studio about taking that leap to then open another. Do you have any advice for them that you could maybe share? I know it's it's kind of different. I think there's some different personality types for sure. And I'm someone that is more, I quite like taking risks and taking the leap. But for those that maybe are wanting to open more studios or are wanting to scale their business, but there may be something's holding them back. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I think I, I can speak to the studio stuff really well. It's a really different industry now than it was eight years ago. And especially for us, we just rode the wave of the bar trend so well. Like it was just right concept, right time, great marketing, great branding. So we were really lucky and fortunate. Now it's a really different industry. You need a lot more capital to open your first studio and therefore a lot more capital to open your second studio. The expectations for fit outs are that much higher. And, you know, branding, it really has the boutique fitness market 
market in Australia has just exploded in the last eight years. So, and I have seen it go both ways. I've seen people open a second location and do really well. And then I've seen people open a second location and the second location takes all the profits from its first location. And as a business owner, that is just tragic. So in terms of advice, I think I'd love to answer that question in two parts. And the first one is if you want to start a business from scratch, I'm just such a firm believer in, you know, have a good plan, but don't wait until conditions are perfect. Everything's perfect. Like have a go, you know, look at the worst outcome. If things don't work, where do you end up? And then if the risk feels worth it, you should absolutely jump right in and take it. So I'm a big believer in being super brave and going for it. With regard to studios, specifically scaling businesses and scaling, I guess, location-based businesses where you're committed to a lease and you're committed to, you know, you've got a certain amount of fixed costs and then you've got your variable costs of staffing. I think you have to be really smart about it. So you have to be really, really smart about, you have to know the numbers of your current business inside out and know what aspects work you have to have a really really good plan for your second location so choosing the right location really really understanding your customer the customer base there how it's going to differ from your existing location and feeling confident that that's a risk that you're willing to take that it might it might take away from your successful studios profits or you might have an amazing experience where you double or more your profits so I think that second location thing when you're successful in your first location should be a considered decision Great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, yeah, I definitely know what you mean about just figuring out what is the worst that could happen? And then is that a risk you're willing to take? And I think that can serve us quite well too. I'm wondering, Emma, did, was it the online classes that started right at the start of your business? Or were these something that you've added later down the track? No, we started our online classes like a few months in. I remember like a lot of my story is really about being brave and being encouraged by various people in my family, you know, my husband and my brother. I remember at one point he said, you know, you're doing these free online classes and that's great, but let's film a DVD. I was like, what? I can't film a DVD. Remember, I haven't even done ballet. I'm totally (laughs) faking it here and nobody even knows. And he's like, no, you should do a DVD. So we did it. And he filmed and produced it and we ended up doing really, really well out of the DVD. And then at the same time, we had our online classes. And so Barbody Online is our online platform and it's, it's called Barbody Online. And it was called Barbody Online when we launched it eight years ago. So it's just a newer iteration. Obviously now it's a very fancy platform and we've got hundreds of on-demand classes and live stream. So it's uber, uber fancy compared to the the one woman camera show from eight years ago. We were really relieved. And I know that you want to talk about the recent events around the world, but for us having that platform coming into coronavirus was just really, really relieving. While everybody else was scrambling madly to get themselves online, we already had our platform. So we were just scrambling to, not scrambling, but we were all working really hard just to provide the most amazing client experience. I feel like one of your superpowers is that ability to maybe just look that bit further ahead and recognize, okay, well, no one else is really filming content and all that type of thing, but that's something that we're going to try and we're going to do. And then the fact that you took your classes online pretty early days and probably before that was much of a thing that anyone else was doing. And the fact that you did that 
quite early on has obviously paid off really, really well for you. So do you have a certain place that you go for inspiration or different trends that you kind of keep an eye on? What, what does that look like for you, Emma? Yeah, I can't answer that. I feel like a lot of it comes from intuition. I try really hard not to look externally, especially in our industry where so many people are doing, you know, it's very, very competitive now. So for me, I try and look inward, not, you know, both inside myself, but just into our customer. It's, it always comes back to how can we better serve? How can we create more magic for our customer? And our whole business is centered around this notion of love. So everybody on my team, every single teacher at Barbody would say, if you said to them, what does Emma bang on and on and on about all the time? And it's love. And so we're constantly looking inwards, constantly looking to our customers to think, how can we give them more love in their experience, more love in the brand, just love, 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 love. So, you know, I'm sure I'm picking up things, but I don't look at any trend report. Well, no, I look at the wellbeing trend reports each year, but I've got an amazing team as well. So I can't even, I wouldn't even take credit for, for where we are now, maybe where we were years ago, but now I've got the most amazing team who are just so inspired and inspiring. And so I think collectively as a group, we're coming up with some really amazing, innovative ideas. Well, that actually leads perfectly, Emma, to talking about marketing. And you kind of just hinted then that it has changed a little bit over the years. Back in the day, it was probably yourself perhaps doing everything. I'd love to hear what does your strategy look like now and how has that evolved over time, including if there's things that you used to do that maybe don't work as well now and things that are working really, really well at the minute? Yeah, well, that's a great question. So from a strategic perspective, I've really invested in people. So we have amazing people on our team. Like we just have at the moment, we absolutely have this incredible dream team of people. We have a really, really big experienced marketing team. So it's a it is a huge focus for my business. We're very much a brand-led, experience-led, marketing-led organization. We're very, very focused on the online space at the moment. Our studios are closed. So, you know, because of the coronavirus, we're very, very focused on our teacher training. So we have all of our online programs, all of our teacher training programs online. And again, that was another sort of, I feel like a really wise decision that we made years ago to work. I just kept saying to everyone in the business, I know you all like doing the training in person. I love it too, but I really feel like we need to get this stuff online. Online's where the world's headed. So we launched our online teacher training programs a little over a year ago, but it was two years in the making. So yeah, so there's a big focus for us online and obviously social is a big focus. I think the days of the influencer, I think that's kind of diluted a little bit now. So, you know, maybe a year ago, two years ago, we were focused, probably two years ago, we were focused on influencer marketing, but I, I feel like that's diluted a little bit. We're very much focused on direct consumer communications and tailoring those as much as possible. So you don't get as many of the, the like email blasts, the mass market email blasts from us. We're getting different customers are getting different messages based on their requirements and their, I guess, life cycle stage with us. Yeah. So for me, the big investments are in people online. We are doing advertising across a number of channels at the moment, and we have someone absolutely amazing who's doing that for us. Really focus on beautiful creative. We have the most talented art director who just does the most beautiful things. And she has a really great assistant who's doing amazing things as well creatively. I've got 
a strategist who's brilliant, so a head of marketing and online who's amazing. And then we just um, managed to woo back someone who <laughs> left us not that long ago. And she's incredible as well. So, yeah, huge investment in team. And, you know, we're really fortunate that we can do that at the moment. But, yeah, the big focus for us is online, online advertising and just, you know, creating things that look and feel beautiful and experiences that are just so premium and amazing. And I love that too, Emma, that you said um, the focus is on digital, but less about the mass communication and more about those making the digital communication more customized and more personal. And it's definitely something for other business owners to consider how they can do that too. And instead of, like you said, sending those email newsletters or sending those email blasts out, actually being able to communicate with different customers and it can all be automated, but the different part of the life cycle that they're at with your business. So that's really awesome. And I think as well, I love the fact that you were so focused on the visual and the aesthetic and the experience from day one too. And and the fact as well that you said, you know, it has got more competitive and that's something that businesses need to really consider. I think about that too when I look at cafes or shops that might open and you kind of think you've really got to get your interiors looking really, really good to be competitive. It's such a huge thing now. And I think as consumers, we're so spoiled for choice that we kind of want to have that whole experience when we interact with different businesses in the physical space too. Emma, have there been times that haven't gone to plan or different things that maybe didn't work as you hoped? Yes. I know I've made it sound like it was all, it's all been amazing and roses. And do you know what it probably was for the first four or five years? We just had the most amazing run, but there's probably a few standout experiences that have, have, we've really had to learn from and pick ourselves up from. And the first one was was a bit of a funny one and I don't talk about it too much, but it was, um, we worked with a consultant to look at expanding our business and we didn't sign a confidentiality and non-compete agreement. And she promptly went and opened a, a concept that was very, very like identical to ours, same marketing strategy, same class strategy. And we'd given her everything, our training manuals and marketing plans. So that was really painful. And that was a big lesson for me in making sure you have really firm agreements with people that you're going to share competitive information with, privileged information. So that was a huge learning for me. But the, probably the even bigger learning from that is hubby and I, so my gorgeous husband and I who work on the business together, he and I had very different views on how we should take that because the true story is probably even worse than I'm telling, but I'm, I'm, he really wanted to go to court and, you know, put an injunction. And I just said, honey, instead of focusing on that, let's focus all of our energies on our own business and making it even more amazing. And that's what we did. And so that was, you know, one of the big learnings for me. And one of the things that, yeah, I'd love to share with your audience is that as much as you can focus on the positives and focus on what you can do really well, rather than getting stuck on someone took this or someone left our business and stole our ideas, focus on the positives and making your business better. So that's one thing. You just tell me when to stop because I could go on (laughs) and on about all the learning. (laughs) Um, Another was probably more recent when one of our instructors left and set up a studio around the corner and a bunch of our members like she was an amazing instructor had a huge following and so yeah a bunch of our members went over to her and so that was that was really emotionally challenging for me because it was sort of you know 
it just happened just like that. <laughs> and that was, yeah, I found that really hard because I'm a people person. And so recognizing that, yeah, she's bloody amazing and she should be doing something herself. Like she's incredible and she deserves her success. And I'm so happy for her now, but also at the time going, this is really painful. This really hurts. This hurts me personally. So yeah, again, just developing a thicker skin and learning not to take things personally. I think I've had team members leave over the years and people who I've been so close to because I really do put my heart and soul into the business and really invest in people like their family. And so when they've left and, you know, we've lost contact a little bit, then it's like, it's, it's, it's grief every time. And yeah, so learning to get a little bit more recognizing that, yes, it's my business. Yes, it's my life. But for the people who are yeah. people who it's not the same. So yeah, so that's been that's been a challenge. We've had lots of challenges on the way. We had a big personal challenge a couple of years ago when I told you I could keep yeah. talking about challenges. <laughs> when my beautiful mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm, I'm so sorry. And she came and lived with me and I was, you know, very, very blessed and fortunate to care for her at home and she died at home. And then my amazing brother died oh a few months later. So we had enormous amounts of tragedy and I'm only one of four. So it's only my dad and my mum and my brother. So, oh, I'm so we had enormous sorry. amounts of tragedy. My brother worked for our business. Yeah. So he was the one that actually designed the original Bar Body Online. Oh. So um, it was, yeah, we had a huge, huge amounts of tragedy. Yeah. And, and at the same time, the bar industry softened a little mm. bit. So class pass came in. There was a huge amount of competition. So new studios opening up and yeah, bar sort of was now, you know, well known. And so it wasn't new and less people started trying it. I think CrossFit and sort of the F45 hit style workout became more popular. So this all happened at once. And it just unfortunately happened at the time when my eyes, hands were off the wheel you know, eye off the ball, Hus hubby's trying to just, you know, keep me from falling apart. And, you know, the people in my team were amazing, but no one was looking at the numbers. No one was looking at the profit and loss. I don't think I looked at profit and loss for 12 months. And when I did, I was like, holy <laughs> shit, what's oh happened? God. Because we went from being wildly successful, and I mean wildly, to them losing tens of thousands of, dollars, thousands of dollars a month. So it was a massive ride. And so at that point, we just put everything, all of our resources, and this is two years ago, maybe, all of our energies into, we looked at every single aspect of the business everything. We rebranded, we refurnished, so re, I guess redesigned the studios in terms of their beautiful furniture, beautiful style from a styling perspective. We looked at the customer experience and we just retouched. We pulled every single lever. We hired a publicist. We developed a new class style. Wow. We refined our teacher training programs. We refined our online program. Like we literally, <laughs> we redesigned our, our website. We did everything just looking at how we can tighten up and we've you know really managed to turn the business around since oh, then so, so yeah good. I've had it in the eight and a half years we've been or almost nine years we've been in business it's been a ride and we've definitely definitely faced many challenges and I think the big lesson or the big the big outtake for me is that 
you really do get stronger for all of the adversity that's thrown your way. And you've had so much, oh my gosh. And I I think as well, this is what I say to some of my students, that you're going to learn more from the times that don't go well versus, because it sounds like those first four years or so, that everything was going pretty amazing. But I'm sure, would you agree that in maybe the latter years when you have had to tweak certain things, really look quite critically at different areas of the business that perhaps you've learned even more during those times as well. Absolutely. We thought we were amazing. Like <laughs> We thought we were the best business people in the world. But the reality is, yes, we were good, but we also were really blessed with circumstance, you know, right time, right concept. And it's been in the last few years where we've had to dig deep and work so hard that we've learned and really grown as both humans and, and business people. And I actually really resonated what you said about when you said this a little, a little while back, but how it's your business, it's like your life as well. And anyone else that it's just not quite the same for them. And I hear this a lot with my students. They're like, oh, you know, my business is kind of everything. And then my partner or my friend or my family, they, they're not as interested in it as me. I'm like, yeah, that's totally normal. <laughs> you know what? That said, yeah. I have the most dedicated, passionate, like committed team of people you wouldn't believe the way that they have banded together and everyone is is bleeding love for bar body on my team so I'm I I can't say I'm definitely not doing it alone I've got the most incredible team. So what, with everything that's going on with COVID-19 and obviously with physical spaces having to close. We've talked about this a little bit, but was there anything else that you've had to, I guess, any other takeaways or changes that you've had to make in your business to, I guess, see you through this time when some of the core functions of your business being your studios actually can't operate. What has that looked like for you? And what's, I'm sure it's been (laughs) quite a period. So I'd love to hear a few insights, Emma. I'd love to swear, but I'm going (laughs) to say it's been scary AF, to be honest. Oh my God, it has been a time. Like I said, I'm just so blessed and so lucky that we've got an incredible team who they've, you know, pretty much pulled all-nighters. For us to go from, we already had our programs in place. We already had our online teacher training. We already had our online studio with 200 classes on demand, but we turned around live stream before our studios were even closed. So I just said, we need it. It's coming. This is going to happen. So we were, we were live streaming a week before the announcement to close. So we were, we were really, really fast and sort of preempting what would happen. We, again, very much had a customer focus. How can we best serve our customers? This is going to be scary for them. How can we best serve? So firstly, we want to get them working out at home. We want to get them the equipment they need. We want to communicate with them so they know that we're here. They know that we're looking after them. And yeah, I think we had at one point, we had 2000 emails in our, in our, because I've got nine studios. It's a really big business. We had, um, yeah, so it was a very much, very much, I know, customer-focused, team-focused, lots of communications. We were all, it was changing second by second. I want to say minute by minute, but sometimes it felt second by second. Now it's sort of week to week or day to day. But in the early days, it was just a mad scramble to try and best serve the business long-term and best serve our customers and also our team. I really really wanted to keep communicating with the beautiful teachers. So all of our casual teachers who, when the studios closed, they didn't have employment. So just really trying to talk them through 
job seeker and job keeper and where we were going and that I'm there and I care. And so, yeah, it was a lot of, it was, it was a lot of stuff. (laughs) It was a time. Quite a time. And I guess there's, there's some changes starting to happen now in Australia in terms of just a slight reduction in some of the um, restrictions and that type of thing. I'm just curious to know, are there, do you think there'll be some changes that you've made that you're actually like, hey, this has actually worked really, really well. Let's actually keep doing this no matter what happens. Have there been any of those as well, Emma? Yeah, well, I think it's the live stream classes are a perfect example of that. So we've always had our on-demand, so streaming classes on-demand via Bar Body Online, but the addition of the live classes, so in real time, you can work out with your teacher, you can say hi to them, you can message each other. That has just been magical. I think everyone's really been craving connection that's something we'll definitely keep. And it's great, great to have that kind of forced into doing something, but now you're like, hang on a minute, we might not have tried that or at least for a little while. So that's really, really awesome. Yeah, it's been exciting. So Emma, as we kind of move towards wrapping it up, something else that maybe people don't know so much about you is that apart from just being a total dynamo in the business world, you also have a really big focus on philanthropic contributions. Your partner and yourself, your husband, Matt, over the past few years, you've actually donated over $100,000 to One Girl, I believe. I would love to hear a bit about this. And I know that a lot of people, I think, have a real desire and a real intention to be able to start making some contributions through their business. And I'd love to hear, was this something that you started from really in the early days or when did you make the decision that, you know, this is something that we can, I guess, we're able to do now through our business? What did it look like for you? Yeah. So in the early stages, when we were making what I like to call reverse profit, as opposed to loss, <laughs> call it reverse profit. When we were making a reverse profit, we started off with one girl. So basically one girl pays for the education of girls in Sierra Leone. And so we paid for the education of one girl. And then I think when we opened our second studio, we upped it to three girls. And then when we opened our third studio, we upped it to 10 girls. And then I remember going to a dinner in Sydney and there was someone talking about philanthropy. It was actually, this is quite funny. It was actually Belle Gibson. Oh gosh. (laughs) She was talking about her philanthropic efforts. I was just so inspired. I was like, right, we've got to do more. So do something indirectly really magical because from that night the next day we increased our support of one girl from 10 girls to 50 girls so we have consistently paid for 50 girls education for the last six years and that's 50 girls that get to go to school that wouldn't have otherwise because of bar body we've also donated a significant sum i think it was fifteen thousand dollars to the syrian refugees couple of years back and then more recently $10,000 to the Salvation Army for the Australian Bushfire Relief Fund. So it is something that's really meaningful to both my husband. I feel really lucky that he and I share the same values because we're both very generous of spirit and want to, you know, what's the point of doing well and even when we haven't been doing well so even when well that's the thing that I love hearing yeah that you shared when you were in reverse profit that that's when you started I think that's so helpful for other people to hear because we've kind of talked about you know when you go to launch your business you've said there's no right time there's no perfect time and it sounds like a really similar sentiment as well when you start 
giving, there's not going to be probably the time that you're like, now is the perfect time to do it. So if in doubt, maybe just start really small right now. Yeah, start where you can. And, you know, for us, we've never, like even, you know, the months that I was talking about where we were losing <laughs> thirty to $50,000 a month, we didn't stop our philanthropic mm. contributions. We didn't, you know, these are these are girls that rely on us. And then coronavirus hit. Yeah. And the first, one of the first emails I got was from one girl saying, please don't stop donating. And I said, we won't. And this is our commitment. So yeah, it's just something that's really meaningful to me. So looking forward now, Emma, what's next for Bar Body and what are you focusing on? And perhaps this has changed quite a lot with everything that's happening, but I would love to hear a few things that, seeing as you're kind of someone I think we'll all listen to and we'll think, well, hang on a minute, if this is what Emma's focusing on, she's pretty good at predicting what's going to be big. So what does that look like for you? So the big focus for us now is getting our clients back to the studio in a really joyful way, continuing to share, you know, our love of movement will obviously continue with online. It's something that we've been doing always. So we'll continue to, you know, focus and invest in that. But it really is going to be all about delivering amazing client experiences. So I think, yeah, anyone who's trying to navigate the post-coronavirus question marks, just keep coming back to how can I best serve my customers? And Emma, last question which I love to ask because I think it's very insightful is wind back the clock to perhaps when you were just, when this was just an idea and bar body was just an idea. What is something that you wish you had actually known back then? Nothing. I'm so grateful for all the lessons I've learned along the way. And I'm really glad that I didn't know what I know now because I might not have taken the risks. I might not have made the decisions I made. Probably actually <laughs> one thing <laughs> when I would say I would probably have not taken my eye. Well, do you know what? When you're dealing with grief, I'm not even sure that you can, I'm not even sure I could have magicked a better experience. And I think the way that we've grown since then because of that really tough time, both financially and emotionally is where we are now. So I don't think I'd change a thing. I think that the lessons in the journey is what's made it so rich and what has made me grow. Well, Emma, thank you so very much for joining me. And um, I've absolutely loved chatting with you. And I think, well, I know people listening, they'll have so many probably scribbles down of things that you've said. What's a great place for people to go to connect with you and follow you and to also try out Bar Body? Well, they should definitely try out Bar Body Online. There's a free trial. So go to barbodyonline.com or try one of our studios. I also have a studio in Byron Bay, which is where I live, called Bend. Or follow me on Instagram, which is Emma, my name, Emma Siebold, with an underscore at the end. So, yeah. And we'll put all those in the show notes too. Well, Emma, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. That was a delight. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.